Welcome back to another episode of the Pugging Cop Boxing Show. This is Mike Coppinger alongside Lance Pugmire of The Athletic. Thanks again for joining us. We have a big show for you today. We're going to be joined by heavyweight contender Dillian White from Gibraltar as he discusses his upcoming fight on Saturday against Alexander Povetkin, a rematch of their hellacious fight from August, where Dillian White was shockingly knocked out in one of the craziest knockouts you'll ever see. We'll talk to Dillian about that and how he plans to rebound. And we'll also look back at the weekend's action topped by Virgil Ortiz Jr.'s coming out party against Maurice Hooker. And also we had Arthur Betterbiev fighting Adam Dynas and Lawrence Acoli becoming cruiserweight champion and perhaps a new star on the British boxing scene. So if you haven't already, please like, subscribe, rate, review. And now let's get right into the show. Let's get ready to podcast! If you're going to go stick your head in the sand like that, get out of the sport. Mike Coppinger. You're creating a huge mess. It's absurd. No, you're wrong. So, it's, the only, seems the only like a cash grab. You need to turn up and you need to be on it. We just started going at it. You gotta go eat. The Pug and Cop Boxing Show on The Athletic. Lance, I couldn't have been more impressed on Saturday with Virgil Ortiz Jr. At 22 years old, I thought it was a very mature performance. No, he is not a finished product yet. And no, I don't think he should fight Terrence Crawford next, as he suggested. But at 22, this guy's already doing a lot of educated things. I loved the way he was moving his head behind that high guard, like Mike Tyson-esque, sliding around to create punching opportunities, punching angles, going to the body. The punch variety was impressive. The way he threw in combination. And he was fighting a guy who's a big puncher, and Maurice Hooker, at least a big puncher at 140. And he was willing to take those shots and also take a lot of those shots on the gloves and then parry them and come back with five, six shots of his own. Um, I, I think the turnout was great in Dallas and this kid could be a real star. And I think the, you know, the future is his. What did you think though? Yeah, absolutely, Mike. And I think that's what you said is uh, what you said is, is so important because, you know, like Maurice Hooker had that 10 inch reach advantage. Maurice Hooker has that power. And yet Virgil Ortiz stuck his face right in there. He had no fear about what Maurice Hooker w- was bringing to him. And it was just such such an impressive performance because obviously like, you know, I think, you know, when you talk to old school boxing guys, one of their great things that they always repeat over and over again is that the people, the the fighters who really set themselves apart are the fighters who pay attention to the body. You know, uh, we've got Dillian White coming up. He's known as the body snatcher. We've got we saw in Virgil Ortiz, someone who just paid attention to pounding the body. I mean, when you pound the body, um, you know, the results are usually end with a, with a knockout like you saw from Virgil. And that's what Virgil did. He was so impressive and just, stay, like you said, staying so disciplined, staying true to the roots of all the, all the education that he's had in the ring um, from the time that his, you know, father took him into the ring as a, um, as a young boy. And, you know, look, I mean, I... I understand what you're saying, and I and I don't believe either that um, Terrence Crawford and Virgil Ortiz are going to fight next. But you know, like I wrote in a in a story that you can see on the Athletic, you know, basically like a column. You know, at least he said it. At least he said what he wants. You know, he, he this is a guy like pushing for greatness uh, verbally, and you can see the sincerity in in his in his face. He means it. He wants to be a, a welterweight world champion, and he's willing to do. Uh, whatever it takes to get get it. If it means calling out Terrence Crawford to his face in the arena, that's fine. You know, I just thought that, you know, here we are in this in this climate where um, these two welterweight champions that we want to see get in the ring 
I mean, they've reduced themselves to like sideshow acts where we see them making wisecracks at each other uh, in the arena. And it's it's falling short of what their what their fans deserve. And that is the two of them squaring off, not Spence and Earl Spence Jr. taking on uh, this fight against a, a propped up champion in Jordanus Ugas and Terrence Crawford, you know, waiting for either, you know, maybe a, a, a former, a, 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 let's be honest, a beaten champion in Sean Porter or um, toying with the idea of moving up to 154 pounds. Get in the ring with each other. Uh, anything else is unsatisfactory. And for a 22-year-old to basically say, like, you know, this is what I want, and, and implying this is what you guys should be doing, I to me, that was my ultimate takeaway. That's what was most impressive about what Vir- Virgil Ortiz did on Saturday night. Well, I think it's clear I'm a lot higher on your Dennis Lucas than you are. I think he's a very good fighter, and, you know, he's the kind of fighter that Crawford hasn't faced frankly. So, look, I was most disappointed with Terrence Crawford's comments. They asked Terrence Crawford on Saturday on the zone stream if he would fight Earl Spence, and he said, no, Spence is behind me. I'm over it. So, that doesn't sound like a guy who really wants to fight. And let's be real, Crawford needs Spence more than Spence needs Crawford. So, they mean, they need each other, ultimately, but right now, I would argue that one needs the other more, and that, you know, Spence has the better resume. He's the bigger draw. So, unfortunate, Terrence Crawford is so talented. And then oh, and then he also said Virgil Ortiz has to earn a chance at him. I mean, he just did. did. Jeff Horn, did Jeff Horn have to earn a chance? Yeah, he just did, did uh, Mike. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, he bought a guy. He, he fought a guy who. Let's go back to the comments that uh, Terrence Crawford's good friend and trainer Brian McIntyre was saying before the fight. They had full uh, confidence that they were going to win this fight, and yet they didn't. They got knocked out. And this twenty-two-year-old kid is taking the uh, the division by storm. Uh, more power to him. I think he's bringing the right man mentality to the to the uh, to the sport, and I hope he reaps the reward to that. I understand. I mean, like I think Mike. I mean, you talk to some of the same people I do in the in the business, and look, there is this this line of thinking that Virgil Ortiz should kind of like cool his heels a little bit, get a few more fights, um, and and then you know be in position to uh, f- fight for the belt. You are of that thinking. Like, what more would you like to see? with him against some of these other guys? What can he get out of that experience? Yeah, I definitely can give him two or three more fights against good opposition, maybe similar to Maurice Hooker or better before fighting a guy like Terrence Crawford. And that's simply because of 22 and with, I think he said, what, 16 fights at this point? Right. Something like that. He's only going to get better. It's not that he's not good now. It's that he's going to develop and get him a fight with a guy like David Avanesian, who just knocked out Josh Kelly. Yeah. Or maybe even better, try to get a Keith Thurman or a Sean Porter. I mean, those are tough fights too. But Virgil Ortiz needs more fights to learn and develop, I think. Um, I think his offense is already great, like he mentions. The way he uh, switched to levels, going to the body, going back to the head. The way he uh, caught shots on his arms and then parried. But I do think he got hit a little too much for my liking. Even though he did catch a lot of them on the gloves, like he said. We saw how marked up his face was. Yeah, he was marked up. And... You know, look, he's only going to get better fighting. Because remember, this was his first fight against real opposition. Before this, his toughest opponent was Samuel Vargas. So get him a few more fights. Do a fight against, I was manage, a manager and I was managing him. Do it next summer. Do it next fall. Still going to be there. This guy's 22 years old. And there's no doubt whatsoever that he's going to be a champion at some point. Just a matter of when. So Virgil Ortiz, yeah. I mean, I, I just love his game right now. And I think the thing, my biggest takeaway from Saturday Night Lance is I love the ferocity with which he came forward. I mean, he was like a buzzsaw in there. 
he had no concern whatsoever with what was coming back at him. And Maurice Tucker did land some big shots. And also, while we're talking about it, I, you know, I, I want to get away from this mentality and this culture of if you lose in boxing, your you know your value is greatly damaged. Maurice Tucker took a tough fight; he didn't have to take. I thought he put up a very good performance in losing. He's fighting a better guy, and you know he suffers the broken right hands. He has to heal from that, but Golden Boy owes him one more fight. This is a two-fight deal with Golden Boy. Let's yeah. get another good fight from Maurice Hooker because he deserves it, I think. Absolutely. I mean, you talk about a, a great guy. I mean, this guy has a um, – um, he brings nothing but positivity to the sport. He definitely is going to bring a, a you know an A-plus effort each time. Let's be honest. I mean, the guys that he's lost to, Jose Ramirez and Virgil Ortiz, are both uh, high-quality high uh, opponents. And so, look, there's a place for it in the sport for Maurice Hooker, and I, I totally agree with you. I mean, the heart that this guy uh, provides along with that skill, let's get him back in there as, as soon as possible, as soon as he feels uh, healthy, like he's healthy. It's also just important, Lance, for the entire health of the sport, because when you have a guy like Maurice Hooker take a chance, and then he gets punished for it, other fighters see that, and then they say, oh, why am I going to take a tough fight then? I'll just keep, the, keep this glossy record and fight no one and keep my title. And won't take any risks and everything will be great. And, you know, for a lot of guys that does work out, but we need promoters to not punish these fighters and networks also to not punish fighters and say, oh, well, now your purse is going to drop by 60% because you lost because that's not the way UFC does it. Granted, I know UFC does not pay their fighters properly, but they have the right mentality with losing does not matter. I mean, you've covered a lot of UFC. You've seen guys, what, like Nate Diaz, what, 13, 15 losses or something. Nobody cares. Right. Because he puts on good fights and he fights the best. And that's the way it should be in boxing. It's the way it used to be in boxing. But moving on, Lance, Alter Better BF fights Adam. He fought Adam Dynas on Saturday on ESPN. It was Better BF's first fight in 17 months defending his unified light heavyweight championship. Got the job done, but I wasn't overly impressed by his performance. He is now 36 years old. He hadn't fought in 17 months, like you said. So I do take it with a grain of salt. And especially fighting that level of opposition, maybe he was overlooking him. But Adam Dynas had a lot of moments in that fight. And it was a really good fight. The best you could expect, really, for a fight that where a guy is a major, major favorite. Dynas landed some big shots. I thought he did a nice job circling and giving Better Beave movement and different looks. But Better Beave is a, he's an offensive machine, and he broke him down. But look, I think, I think if you're Joe Smith Jr., who fights uh, Maxime Vlasov on April 10th, and it's going to be right in line for a shot of better beef. You've got to be looking at your chops right now. I think Joe Smith has the perfect style to score the upset against better beef. I mean, you got, if you want to, if you want to beat Arthur better beef, you got to be strong, really physically strong. Cause you've got to be able to push him backward. Once he gets rolling downward, well, the momentum is kind of like Margarito in a way. You can't keep him off you. So you got to be physically strong. You have to have a big punch with Joe Smith has. I think you really need a nice jab to penetrate that guard. And I think Joe Smith, I think he's really live. If he, if he looks as we think he can against Vlasov and wins, which is an if, a big if, because Vlasov is a good fighter, I think Joe Smith better be was an excellent fight. Yeah, a couple things struck me from that performance, Mike, is uh, better be, you know, he he started slow. And obviously you alluded to the 17 months off. I think that he, no matter what he said to me the, the week before, about not feeling the effects of, of ring rust. I think that that was the effects of ring rust. I mean, this guy was very, I would say, almost robotic uh, in the early rounds. 
And like you said, I mean, he took on some punches that you would not expect him to take on against a fighter like Dan- Danis. But the thing is, is that, you know, one of the things that I heard kind of over and over about Better Beef and, and that they saw this in his, in his victory over uh, Goldstick was that he fights to the level of his competition. And I think that happened again, Mike. I think that he, you know, considered who he was fighting. He said, like, I can, t- I can take this guy out eventually. I will win this fight eventually and, and move on to, you know, Joe Smith or whoever else is next. And I think that's the type of performance that you saw. But look, there's no, you, I agree with you. There's no way that he can have that same type of mentality against Joe Smith Jr. if he's wait, awaiting uh, later this year after uh, winning his fight in April. Um, Joe Smith Jr. is someone who is a vicious, relentless pun- puncher. And Beater Beef, to be so deliberate, that's not going to match up very well. So he has to tend to that. Look, I, I think that he has the ability to do that because he does have that killer instinct and he does fight with that with that passion and that heart. Um, it's a great fight. And, uh, you know, I, I uh, Bob Arum, the promoter, and I know this is his nature to promote things, when he says that Beater Beef Smith will be one of the best boxing matches of the year, I agree with him because I think that that's something that's going to uh, – that's about – that I'm totally looking forward to. I just want to see these guys get in there, and it is going to be rock'em sock'em, don't you think? I think this time, Bob Arum's telling the truth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, rock'em sock'em. That Maurice Hooker Virgil Ortiz fight. We we didn't really talk enough about how insane it was. I mean, that was a great fight. That's some wild exchanges. These guys were going for broke, and that's why, Lance. I, I think all losses are not created equal because Adam Dynas, like Hooker, really gave a great account of himself. I thought. I mean. He was as game as he could come. He landed some, you know, really good shots, like we said. He showed no fear against a guy who was a big favorite. And he was stood right in the pocket and traded. So, yeah, I want to see him back, too. Because if you're, if you're going to be an underdog, like both of them were, and you're a game and you come to fight and you win some rounds and you put up resistance, that's a, that's a win in and of itself, I think. Um, you know, there are some moral victories in boxing. So... Lance, uh, better be still the number one guy at 175 pounds. But I do want to say right now, for anyone saying oh, Canelo Alvarez would never fight him, not only do I think Canelo Alvarez would fight him, but I think I'm pretty confident he beats him. I mean, I, I'd be I'd be very surprised if he didn't beat Better View. I mean, Canelo's not not only is he fresher, he's just a better fighter. Yeah, I mean, as much as we we sit here and or I I didn't uh, sit here and bash. Um, Crawford and Spence for taking so long. I do think that there is a lot of fighters out there who have the mentality to accomplish greatness. I mean, Canelo Alvarez is seeking to fully unify the 168-pound division. Beater Beef, whether it's him or Joe Smith Jr., I think one of those guys will be hell-bent to completely unify 175. And then if you can have an unprecedented meeting between two fully unified champions, I mean, what a great event for the sport, Mike. And so I I think that there is this collision course that's in play with Canelo Alvarez taking on the best of the 175-pound division, whoever that ends up being. And, you know, look, I mean, that's a, a it's a great thing to keep an eye on both this year and into next year. Um, I, I would sign me up for that fight all day long, whoever it is, you know, Canelo versus the question mark. Yeah, Lance, and uh, we had one more big, uh, big fight over the weekend. It was Lawrence Okoli becoming cruiserweight champion, beating Christoph Glowacki, and really good performance from Okoli. He's really developed. Uh, Anthony Joshua's guy, now perhaps another budding star in England. Uh, I think he's now 16 and 0, six foot five. I mean, that, that jab was excellent on Saturday against a really tough guy in Glowatsky. 
And he just outboxed him the entire fight and then a big knockout with that right hand. So Coley really, really improved fighter. And I think he's going to get some big time opportunities and be a big star in England. I mean, he said he wants Marius Bredis next with the top guy at Cruiserweight. Uh. That would be a big time fight. I think Coley can definitely beat him with what he showed on Saturday. Although Bredis is really good too. So, but I think it's a shot in the arm for the Cruiserweight division. It's a shot in the arm for British boxing. And Akoli says he wants to be a heavyweight someday soon. And this is a good springboard to that. Yeah, it's great that, uh, like you said, I mean, the cruiserweight division seems so void of talent, you know, following the the move up by Usyk. And so it definitely needed that. And the fact that he's, uh, you know, taken out a, a veteran guy bodes well for for his abilities uh, moving forward. And that, you know, that opportunity with Breedis being, in, being there for him um, is, is nothing but a positive. All right, Lance, let's take a real quick pause here as we hear from one of our sponsors. Now we're going to be joined by heavyweight contender Dillian the Body Snatcher White. He's in Gibraltar right now for his big fight Saturday against Alexander Povetkin, the rematch. The first fight was hellacious, Dillian. You dropped Povetkin, I think it was in round three, and then you were unfortunately on the wrong ends in round four. But you were steadfast right away that you wanted the rematch. You weren't going to shy away from it. And now here we are after a bunch of delays, originally November, now January. And then finally, here we are in March. How hmm. much have you stewed about this during this long, long wait? I know I know how you are, and I know you want revenge. No, you, you know me. You know, I hate losing anything, man. And um, I'm very motivated for this fight. You know, it's um, uh, been difficult with the, the rescheduling, but, you know, like, it's just been a difficult year for everyone to be honest with obviously COVID and adapting and changing things and whatever. So, so, you know, you just got to just take it. Don't take nothing for granted and appreciate everything, man. And just think, you know what? It didn't happen this day, but at least now we're here. Everybody's safe. Everybody's good. You know, um, because a lot of people has lost their life in this time and stuff like that, jobs and other things. So I'm just fortunate enough and glad enough that we're still able to work and get the date on. It might've been the date we set originally, but you know, we, we, we're about to get this working. You know, we, we know you're a very confident guy, one of the most confident fighters out there. And I'm sure even though you lost, that you're not feeling any different. And you have especially to lean on that in that third round, you dropped him hard and it looked like you were on your way to a knockout victory. Was That's this just enough. a matter of getting caught? You know, it's just, it's heavyweight boxing, man. Heavyweight boxing is, um, if you choose to your heavyweight boxing as you follow, you realize that, Every boxing is just like that, yeah. You know, um, it just takes one punch. You see guys knock guys out without even hitting them properly. It's like, you know, it's like you see these guys and you're thinking, okay, how oh, did he knock him out? What happened? He was, he was, um, he was, he was killing the guy. It's like um, a classic heavyweight fight it was um, I think Maurice Harris versus um, Jeff something, uh, and he Jefferson, was battling yeah. a guy. Yes, yeah, Jefferson. Jefferson. He was, yeah. yeah, he was, he was battling um. Maurice Harris was batting Jefferson. Jefferson just pulled this left hook out of nowhere. That may, it takes your breath away every time. Even if you watch it a hundred times, you're like, wow, or did he? You know what I'm saying? It's him with boxing. With boxing, you know, look at um, Vladimir Kitschko. He lost to Russ Purity. Who the hell is Russ Purity? He got stopped by him. You know what I'm saying? So this is him with boxing. Him with boxing. One punch can change everything. It doesn't need to connect properly, you know, so. It's a risk that we take. We know what we're going to do. We know the 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 risk. And um, it's one of those fights where I was winning the fight, you know, but it was a strange fight for me because I was 
you know, my coach left. I was learning new things. I was doing new things, new strength and conditioning, new things. A lot of things that, that affected my style and my natural aggressive style a little bit because we was learning new things and trying other things. But with time, I got to know the people. We got to adjust and I'm like, yo, like I'm the one that's getting in there. Like this needs to be changed and this is my style. We need to mm. add to my style. I'm not trying to change that style because I'm never going to be the greatest stand-up boxer, good one, two. So that ain't my style. My my style is is be as a fighter being adaptable, being fearsome, being being that risk taker, being that guy that, that goes off. You know what I'm saying? That's that's my style. You know, so we just need to add things to that to make that style as safe and as effective as it possibly can be. I'm not gonna be a fly move type of cat that's gonna throw stuff and move around and correctly jab and correct you know that ain't my, that ain't me. You immediately, Dillian, you immediately, I mean, you hadn't even left the venue and you said, said to Eddie Hearn, get this or get me a rematch with this guy. What is that just who you are in your heart that you, you just had the confidence that you were going to beat this guy in a rematch? I'm a war horse, man. You know, I'm a war horse, you know, um, you know, I don't take nothing for granted as well. That's why my team opted for the rematch club because we understand what we are and who we are. And we understand that a loss ain't going to change me who I am. You know what I'm saying? Because I've been losing my whole life anyway. I've been losing and coming back and fighting against the odds my whole life. So for me, a loss don't mean nothing. Like, you know, like last time I lost, it took six years before anybody else beat me. You understand? And I beat a lot of top guys. You know what I'm saying? So that's the kind of guy I am. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, um, and I know, and, and listen, Pivetkin knows and I know, and he felt the damage I was doing to him. And I was waiting to get going in the fight. I didn't even get going like, I was boxing to instruction and taking my time and feeling the guy out. The guy's a tough guy, Olympic champion, former world champion. So we was like, okay, we're going to break him down and strategize him. So I was listening. I was like, you know what? I'm listening to the con. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You see what I'm saying? So I didn't really get going. And he was already, like, he was struggling from the first round, really. Right. You see what I'm saying? You know, but he's a very tough guy. He's very good technically. And he, what makes him effective, he's very patient. And he plugs the log and keep going and keep, trying to do what he's trying to do. He's not a guy that gets hurt and thinks, ah, I'm going to abandon the game plan. It ain't working. You know what I'm saying? So, but but it's all good. Let me ask you this, though. I mean, God's honest truth. You were coming off a knockout and you did have to maybe reconsider the fight a little bit, you know, with with a lot little more, more time. Are you happy there was a little bit more of a delay no, that you had? No, no, okay. no. I was ready. I was ready to go. In, in November, I was ready to go. I was ready to go. He's the one that cancelled, not me. He's the one that I didn't need no more time. I was good. I'm like, okay, you just knocked me out. Like, why do you need more time? Yeah. Like, like because he got more damage than I did, even though I got knocked out because I was beating it <laughs> under ass. You understand? I was I was tapping the ass so well. You understand? Yeah. I'm heavy handed. So when, when, when I hit these guys, they feel it. Like, I carry the power to knock anyone out on this planet. You understand? And so, so, he was feeling the pain. You know what I mean? I was bringing the pain. Okay, people say, oh, but you got knocked out. I'm like, so what? It's a weird boxing. If you fight good fighters, you're going to get knocked out. You're going to get knocked down. It's, the only way you don't know happen is if you construct your career and fight dangerous guys. When like people say, oh, yeah, this guy, I'm like, oh, we have so I'm asking and knocked out Joe Lewis and Joe, Joe, Joe Walker. I'm like, those guys was 100 years old when he fought those guys and they still knocked him down. I'm like, come on. There's a way of protecting your career. But if you fight good fighters back to back, you will get put on the floor. You will get hurt. You will, will lose. It's just, it, it's, you know, let's be in people's all types and theories. 
it's such a great like the guys that is for let's be honest three people testing people for Klitschko who was past it when he fought him and Klitschko's mind was wasn't there whatever for whatever reason Arthur Wallin who ooh, ooh, they should have stopped the fight because it was a bad cut that cut was so bad he wasn't in the world apart from America they should have stopped the fight and then he fought Deontay Wilder, who we know is just a puncher. Deontay Wilder can't box. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, but it's crazy. This is what some guy's career is. Then there's guys that made a fight and dangerous guys back to back. I don't get no credit, but that's just life. You understand? Yeah, Dylan. My only regret here is that Alexander Povetkin does not speak English, so we don't get all the great <clears throat> trash talk that we always have between you and your opponents. But we have had plenty I, I, between you and uh, Deontay Wilder and you and Andy Ruiz still. And... I'm wondering, what is it going to take to make those fights happen down the road? Man, I don't know. I, I've been trying to fight these guys for the longest of time. Like, I tried my best. I've offered these guys more money than they're making at the time. You know, I've offered Wilder. What a time. Offered Wilder seven million when he was making one million. We knew he was making one million, point seven million to fight Ruiz. And I offered him seven million. He didn't fight me. You know, I'm like, but I don't know, man. I don't know. I was not. I was a mandatory challenger. Didn't fight me. Alfan and Ruru same amount of money. You get to fight Joshua the first time after he lost to Joshua. Didn't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Let's see what happens. But you know what's funny? Now that I've lost, a lot of these guys are starting to call my name now. It's weird. Like when I didn't lose, none of these cats were saying nothing. But now that I've lost, these guys is mentioning my name again. So maybe who knows? Let's see what happens. I know you watch a ton of boxing and you're, you know, you're a astute observer of the game. When you look at the heavyweight landscape right now, who do you think are the best guys? Other than yourself, of course. Well, it, it, you have to say, look, man, the two guys got the title is Joshua and Fury. Fury and Joshua, you know what I'm saying? Whichever way you want to put it, they are the two best guys because they're the guys that got the belts. You know what I'm saying? There's a case to be made for either guy being the best because the people they fought and whatever, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, so, so, they're, you know, you, you, you got to be, I'm an honest kind of dude, they got all the belts, so they have to be the two best guys in the, in the, in the, in the division, you know? You, uh, to me, Dillian, you're like the ultimate survivor. I mean, you had to endure that super long wait that the WBC put you through um, to, you know, to mm-hmm. get a title shot that obviously never came. Um, you had to fight back, you know, the drug positives, what keep I, I just wonder, like, what keeps you loving the sport? There's so many reasons for you to say the sport sucks and it's treated me terribly. What what keeps you so, you know, embracing it? Man, I'm just simply to change my life and my kids' life and family because the stuff I had to do in life to get to where I had to get to and the stuff I've been through, I never want my children to go through not even 5% of that because, man, like, there's things I had to do and Things I had to go through and the barriers I had to break down. Not not even to be a boxer. Forget being, forget boxing. Just to survive as a child to certain age was crazy. You know what I'm saying? So that's my motivation, man. That's my motivation is to obviously I got a lot more than that. Obviously, I want to make history. I want to I want to encourage people. I want to change people's life. I want to touch. I always say if I can touch five people's five people in my career. I change five people's view or five people's opinion about themselves and encourage five people to do, then that's enough for me, man. That's enough for me. And it's not as I can finish and give my kids a good life, you know, put my kids to school properly, feed them properly, look after them properly, and you know, let them grow up and have a good education and have a choice. 
Don't want to play sport. Don't want to be a lawyer. Do I want to be a teacher? You know what I'm saying? I never had any of these choices. My thing was sell drugs, rob and survive. That was it. That's the only choice I had. You know what I'm saying? I didn't do good at school. I never even go to school. You know what I'm saying? So for me, that was just the only option I had was to be a part of a gang and to try and survive. So that ain't no way to live. You know what I'm saying? So I don't want my kids to be... I don't want my kids to grow up in areas where they even think about joining a gang because it's cool or whatever. I didn't join a gang because I joined a gang because that's one of the only ways I had a surviving at the time. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, but that's my motivation, man, to look out to my family and to inspire people and show people that don't give up on a kid because the kid may not be good at school or the kid may have anger problems or the kid may not be as receptive to what you're teaching them or may not fall in line when they're 16, when they're 15, when they're 40, you understand? People change, you know what I'm saying? It took me years to realise that, yo, you know it took me a lot of things, a lot of um, assassination attempt on my life and being shot and stabbed. And, you know what I'm saying? Uh, it took me a lot to understand that, yo, like, you know, you got kids, you got family, you know what I'm saying? And took my mom to have a couple of real conversation with me after losing my brother and stuff like, yo, like, a loss... One kid death is enough. I don't need to lose anymore. You understand? Like it's just just stuff like that. So, so I'm saying so 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 that, that's what it is for me, man. There's a lot of there's a lot in it for me. You know, it's not just about money and and cars and jewelry. No, I don't care about all that stuff, man. Yeah. So definitely, real life taught you perseverance. That's what's allowed you to navigate everything that boxing has done to you. I mean, is is there a part of you that still that still believes? that at the end of the day, you're going to be standing with a belt, a belt around your waist and be able to say, like, I did it, you can too? 100%, man. You know, obviously, I just got to stay ready and stay tuned and stay motivated. Like you said, with all these things that's going on, I got to stay motivated and stay tuned. So when the opportunity comes, I don't just think, ah, oh, wait too long, or oh, I'm, I'm this, or oh, you know what I'm saying? I just got to still keep the same energy and the same life force and the same dedication to the sport and if they motivate regardless whatever happened and just believe and be ready when when the chance comes to pick up the strap. Yeah. And Dylan, you had so much momentum heading into that Pavekin fight. You had the really nice win over Joseph Parker. You had that spectacular knockout over Derek Chisora. You beat Oscar Rivas. And then the Pavekin loss comes and, you know, it seemed like you were right on the brink of a title shot. And we say seems because we never know with the WBC, the way they strung you along. But, you know, with a win on Saturday, you got to be right back in there, right? Like, like it never happens. Yeah, you know, um, like I say, man, bouncing back, you know, it's kind of sad when, as a young man, it's like, what's your motivation? What do you know? What are you good at? Like, I'm good at surviving and coming back and bouncing back. That's what I'm good at. A lot of people say, oh, yeah, I'm good at being this. I'm like... My strength is being adaptable and being a survivor and finding a way because that's all my life has always been. I've always been put in a situation where, oh, I need to find a way. I need to find food to eat. I need to find a way to survive. I need to 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 find a way for this. And you know what I'm saying? So it, it's kind of sad when like I'm just a real honest guy that's cool. That I mean, I'm always having to find a way. You know what I'm saying? No one, it's even in boxing. I got in boxing, I never had no big promoter, no, 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 this, I didn't win no titles or nothing. You know what I'm saying? For me, it was like, I had to find a way. It's like, I was even had to remind the guys at Sky. I said, when I first came to Sky, none of you guys had no belief in me. None of you guys 
you guys built me as this Joshua was the hero and I'm the villain. I said, that's how you guys built me. You guys made me out like I'm I'm just a, a piece of shit frog from the street. I said, I'm keeping it real, you guys. And now we're cool. Years later, you guys understand and see that, oh, the guys are right. The guy, the guy is cool. The guy's actually a nice guy. The guys are right. But so I'm saying, I'm like, let's be, let's be real. You guys built me like I'm an asshole. You understand? And I said, that's the problem. I'm still fighting now because you guys built me then. Like, I'm just a fuck. I'm just a, a savage animal. And Joshua is this great golden boy. And I'm saying like, you know, they ain't right. I said, you guys could have built me a something different at the start. You understand? So I said, no, I'm still battling with that channel. Is what I'm saying. So I'm like, yo, like, you know. Yeah, and uh, this this interview is going to be available on YouTube as well. But if you're listening on Spotify and Apple, you're missing Dillian's new look. Dillian, you have the shaved head now. And they often say that people go through hairstyle changes when they're going through big lifestyle changes. Um, is this a new Dillian White you know we're going to see on Saturday? Leaner, shaved head? You know what? I, 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 I grew my hair for... When I'm in camp, I usually grow my hair, is what I'm saying, because I can't be asked to be going to the barbers. Because my hair grows fast. I shaved this, like, I think Thursday or something, or Friday. Friday. I wouldn't Friday fast. And look, it's already... There's some stuff <laughs> No, my hair grows. But you know what I mean? It's obviously, I'm healthy and I eat a lot of protein and carotene and all that stuff. So my hair grows good, is what I'm saying. Uh, and, but but um, so... You know, I had a haircut for a long time. I'm looking like an animal. So, like, you know what? I'm going to get a haircut a fat week. I'm going to lose the hair and fresh up a bit. You know what I'm saying? Go to the... Because <laughs> a lot of guys are fake, tough guys. They they grow, grow their hair messy and go to the way and looking like... Oh, I'm a, I'm like, yo, like, you don't... You don't need to pretend to be something you ain't. People know that, yo, this cat's real. This cat real. You know what I'm saying? So, I don't try... You don't never see me screwing like I'm always smiling I'm always happy and stuff but guys know that I'll, I'll give you work if you want it you know what I'm saying so 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 you say you know when someone's not real H- how do you size somebody up what's your method uh, you know uh, things people do all they are with other people because a lot of people are just I watch a lot of things or people are with their staff people that work to them or they are with people or they are with fans and stuff I'll be watching things that, as I'm saying, it's like, like, people at Rex, I mean, my staff, I'm always like, oh, please, thank you, yes, you know, thank you. I don't say, oh, pass me that water, oh, get this, oh, go do it. I'm always like, I treat these guys with respect. I don't care if, how much I'm I'm paying you or whatever. No, you know, you, you're one of my people responsible for being around me. So I'm always like, please, thank you. Yeah, you know what I mean? I'm always smiling and welcoming. I'm not miserable or whatever you know what I'm saying but some people have been miserable and treating people like like ah uh, why are you approaching me for a picture I'm with my kids and my family I just say oh please um I'm just having dinner with my my, my, my wife and kids or whatever or my mom or whatever I said I'll take the picture when I finish or give me five you know what I'm saying but some people just like I'm like I don't get that man yeah when Eddie Hearn was on our show he'd mentioned the idea of you fighting Deontay Wilder later this year and I just wonder, my, my mind kind of flashed back to the 70s when George Foreman and Ron Lyle, who were neither champions, got in the ring and put on like one of the epic heavyweight fights of all time. Would you like to participate oh, in a God. fight like that? Hey, that kind of fight, I, I, I'm, I'm done for that, but hopefully I got paid good money for that because 
I thought Ron Lyle was going to kill George Foreman a couple of times. No doubt. You know, obviously, the fight was uh, happened when I was a kid before I was born or whatever, but watching that fight, I'm like, yo, like, that fight's crazy. And then George Foreman just come back and just wipe the flute. Oh, man. It's, it's crazy. That, that kind of fight, you got to get paid well for those kind of fights because they change your career forever. But I'm done for having those kind of fights because people... Don't forget them fights. If you don't forget them fights, so them fights take a lot of you physically and mentally. So you better make sure it's worth it, man. You know, it, it, no point getting into into those kind of wars and, and killing yourself for, for, for chump change. You know what I'm saying? It's even going to be a belt on the line. Are you getting paid? You know what I'm saying? You well, know I'm how... I'm down for that, man. Oh, that'd be great. I'd love to see it. Obviously, in that case, mm-hmm. you had a you'd had a beaten former champion against a guy who was just a brawler, and it was just such incredible action. Oh, you you know what you know what's going to happen uh, after this fight on Saturday, Dylan. They're going to ask you what's next in your mind right now. What are you going to? How are you going to answer that question? Who do you want next? Uh, right now, it's hard for me to say, man, because there's a lot of options. But I'm just focusing on. Um, I'm focusing on um, getting this fight out of the way because this fight is a dangerous fight, man. You know, I I don't want to make the mistake of like, oh, yeah, I want to fight him. I want to do this. Or, like, I've never been like that. I always focus on one fight at a time and give these cats the respect they deserve because I've been fighting dangerous guys. Like, a lot of these guys can put your lights out just like that. So I've been fighting these dangerous guys. So I just try and just... um. But it's kind of hard also not to think who's next and uh, and and what you're gonna. It's, it's difficult, man. It's it's difficult, but uh, I of course I want to fight Wilder. I want to fight Joshua Fury first. Then I want to fight Wilder Alvarez and Luis Ortiz. There's, there's all those are the only guys there to me to fight. Really, so I'm saying I can run it back and have a couple of rematch with cats that I've beaten before, whatever. But let's be honest. Who else is there for me to fight outside of those guys? So, Jillian, you know, this fight, it's in Gibraltar, the British territory, beautiful scene there, you're going to have like 500 fans, and I saw that you and Pavekin are actually on a coin, sterling currency, you're the first boxer ever and the first black man ever to be on currency in Gibraltar. What does that mean to you? It's major, it's, 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 um, it's huge, man, because who do think, you know, a little black kid like me with no future... Nothing, you know, like our school as a kid growing up, when they're like, okay, you know, when you come to the end of school, they're like, okay, this guy is a straight A student, he's a this student, this guy is going to go into college or go on to be university or whatever. For me, it was like, you know, you're a waste of time. Like, you, you, you're going to be either dead or be in prison or be a drug dealer or be a drug addict or something like that because. The school that I went to was one of the worst schools in London at the time. And that's what a lot of people from that school did. They had kids young. You know, obviously, I was one of those people that had kids young, too. You know, I was one of those kids that I was in a gang. I was a gangster. I was getting shot. I was getting shot. I was getting stabbed. So the blueprint for me was to be a waste of space and to be dead. So, you know, I never knew what I was going to do when I finished school. I never... Some guys, they know, oh, I was going to be a real champion when I was 10. Oh, I was going to be a real... I, I I never had no plans to none of this. None of this I never had no plans for. I never had, I asked, okay, I finished school, do a bit of this, do a bit of running, do a bit of this and, and make some money and then maybe 
I might get a job doing something, you know, a trade job, like laying bricks or something like that. You know what I'm saying? And then it's crazy that I'm one of the best heavyweight in the world. And I'm also a, a, one of the first black person to make it into um, a, a, a coin, you know. It's crazy. It's crazy, man. It's this. It's not, it's like it's like it's surreal. It's hard to be like you know. I'm not saying be like yeah yeah. You like I knew I was gonna do something great with my life or yeah I was gonna no. It's like how many black guys before me that's done so many great things. You know what I mean? So for me, it's like it's crazy. It's like it's bigger than I can see. If you know what I mean. So I'm saying it's bigger than I can see I, I, because I, I'm I'm I don't see myself as a simple guy that's trying to make. It. I don't see myself as no big um, hero or nothing. You know what I'm saying? I'm just a normal guy, you know, doing what I know to do and that is to fight, you know? Yeah, and uh, look, for those who don't know, you, you were born in Jamaica and even your, your countryman, the great Patrick Dealing, he's never been on a coin. So, oh, Man, there's so many great black guys that come before me that put their life at risk and, but everything's about timing. You understand? Everything's about timing and I'm on a coin because of the work that those guys did. Let's be honest. I'm only here because of the work they did, the sacrifice they did. You know what I'm saying? The 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 hard work and the pain that they went through is so for me. And I'm just lucky enough to be in a situation that the criteria fit with me at the time. And I'm coming off a defeat. You know what I'm saying? It's not like I was world champion or I'll, you know what I'm saying? It's just everything's about timing, man. And the fact that I relate to people and I reach people, and that's also a big thing for me because I could relate to the guys and, and, and the government saw that and I reached them and they see the struggle I've been through and the patients I've been through, the ups and downs, my name being dragged through the mud innocently and stuff like that. I've been to wait, all of these things. So that's why I say, don't give up. Don't mean because life is hard and life is tough. Don't give up. You never know when things are about to change, man. Yeah, and you're you know, you're giving back now to other boxers. You have four fighters on the undercard on Saturday: Eric Pfeiffer, uh, Fabio Wardley, Chris Congo, and Yusef Kamari. Yeah, why manage so many fighters? What led you to that? Honestly, I'm gonna tell you the truth. When I was coming up, I never had no grounded, no background. I was just a tough guy. I needed a, a few. I needed a couple of dollars or pounds or whatever you wanna call it. Then. Guys like David Hay was getting ready for a world title fight. David Price, Tom Dallas, Klitschko, Tyson Fury. Those guys was... I was watching those guys on TV. I was just a fuck of the street, but I was like, oh, these guys are paying you like 800 pounds a week for sparring. I'm like, huh? Oh, <laughs> they're looking for big guys for sparring. I'm like, so they're going to pay me 800 pounds to go and punch someone in the face. So I was like, all right. I was like, I'm not very good, but I'm very tough and very strong. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, cool. I'm like, I'm like, cool. I, I want some of that. And I've gone there. And because of uh, my sheer will and determination uh, and grit, these guys were skillful. They was hitting me with all sort of punches. Bam, 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 bam. Like, you know, I remember sparring David. David was fast, fast. Fast and powerful. I throw four or five punches. I miss him. And he just hit you. Bam! And you be like, oh, okay. Go home. My jaw is sore. I can't eat and stuff like that. But none of these guys helped me. You understand? All these guys could have helped me and given me 
a leg up. I said, oh, you know what? This guy's a tough guy. He's not even good, but he's come week in, week out and tried to help us. You see what I'm saying? I was just there as a punch bag and getting paid, really. So I'm saying I wasn't... And none of those guys helped me. So I'm like, you know what? I'm in a position and I see a lot of these guys. They're good fighters. And they're in the same position I was in because like Eric Pfeiffer, like, he had 200 plus amateur fight. He fought Andrew Joshua, Joe Joyce. He fought Tony Yorker. He fought a lot, of, a lot of guys, but he was coming sparring with me and helping me out. And I'm saying, this guy is good. I said, Eric, how many fights you had? He said, oh, I've only had three or four. And I'm like, well, you've been pro a long time and you was a top amateur. You won a lot of things and you, you, you beat in Olympic gold medalist, like why? And he's like, oh yeah, you know, it's difficult. I don't speak English so well, and blah blah blah. And the guys don't know about me. I was going to fight Daniel Dubois, then he pulled out of the fight. And I can see these guys' frustration and and disheartened because I know what boxing is. I could see how disheartened these guys is. I know there was there was um. I was thinking to myself, wow, that's exactly what I felt. You know. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to be different from these guys. I'm going to try and help these guys. I'm going to try and help these guys, you know. And if everyone in my state, if you look at from when I signed them and what they was doing before and how their career was, you could see why I signed them and all things has changed for them. Like Fabio Ward, he was the same three and all, I think three fights in two years, you know. Like um, all of these guys, and I'm just, I know boxing is, but a lot of people walk away from boxing, not because they ain't good enough, because opportunity. And because I've suffered and struggled and I've gone through the up bad and, and the ups and downs and i got a platform, I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to try and help to change as much people's life as I can, man. I may never become world champion, but I did the best I could. I tried, I fight the guys, I fought everyone and I helped people along the ways. You have to help people in the way. But a lot of guys don't care. They don't care. They just care about themselves. I'm just trying to help people, man. That's all I try to do, change people's life. And these guys are family. They got family. They got kids. They're brothers and sisters just like me. So I just want them to have the best career they can have, man. Yeah, long road here, Dillian, from Jamaica to, to England. You started <laughs> as a kickboxer. Now you're a boxer with a rematch against Alexander Pavekin on Saturday. And a win there, and you're going to be right back in line. You hope That's for a right. title shot. What's your prediction Saturday? What's going to happen? You know me, man. I come to the ring with one intention, and that's to bring as much damage as I can bring. You know, obviously, there's two guys in the ring, but, you know, I believe I'm going to knock Pevikin out this time. You know, I believe I'm going to knock him out this time. You know, Iris Connors going to be forced to throw the towel in. All right, there you have it. From Dillian White, the body snatcher, fights Alexander Pevikin on Saturday on The Zone in the U.S. and on Sky Sports box office in the U.K. Thanks. Thank you so much, Dillian, as always. Respect, man. Thank you, guys. Thanks. All right, Lance. Let's take a real quick pause here as we hear from one of our sponsors. Thanks again to Dillian White. Great stuff, as always, from one of the most outspoken fighters in the sport. And if you aren't already, you can follow Dillian White on both Twitter and on Instagram, at Dillian White. Lance, what's your takeaway now? More confident than Dillian White? Less confident? Totally confident, Mike. I mean, honestly, out of we've had so many guests on the show over uh, the past year, I, I can't remember being more inspired by by a guest than than I was today with Dillian White. I mean, uh, what a comeback story! I mean, here's a here's a guy coming off a loss, and yet he's the ultimate winner. I mean, just uh, everything that he's persevered through, 
there is a, a bright future lies ahead for this uh, man. And whether it's in the boxing ring as, as a potential, uh, you know, heavyweight champion or as a manager or as an ambassador in the sport, there's a, um, this guy has a, definitely has a place, um, given all of the things that he's been through and all of the lessons learned that he can pass along to young boxers who wouldn't want to, uh, be mentored by Dillian White. And, uh, you know, I think this guy understands that and he gets it. And I hope like one of the, uh, sanctioning bodies ultimately like brings this guy in as someone who can speak at conventions and, you know, talk to young fighters coming up because, um, this guy can be definitely like a sage to young, young fighters. And the fact is, is that he has the opportunity with that, with that big power to knock out Pavetkin on Saturday night and still position himself to be in the mix for whoever emerges from Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua down the road. Yeah, Lance. And, uh, Lastly, you know, some um, some unfortunate news. Javante Davis now facing 14 charges related to a, an alleged hit and run in November uh, in Baltimore, his hometown. That was filed. The case was filed with the circuit court of Baltimore on Monday and it includes four counts of failure to immediately return and remain at the scene of accident, including involving bodily injury, among other charges, including driving with a suspended license and failing to stop at a red signal. You know, this is not obviously Javante Davis's first run in with the law, and we're gonna have to see how this effect, how this all plays out, how this affects everything, both in and out of the ring. But it's more trouble for one of the sports rising stars. Yeah, maybe not his first brush with the law, Mike, but obviously this most serious. I think when we all heard the original news of this accident or this crash taking place, we were all kind of like hoping, like, please don't let it be Javante who was involved in this case. But obviously. Um, you know, the, the law enforcement, uh, agents who investigated this thing thoroughly have now pinned it on him. And, you know, look, I mean, this is a, a situation where significant jail time may be in play here. And it's such a, it's, it's such a crime, literally, that, you know, uh, the sport could be robbed of this, this bright young talent who is part of this, you know, um, foursome of, of great fighters around 135 pounds that we want to see in the ring. Uh, fight repeatedly and uh you know if he loses that this cherished time uh from his career because of this it's going to be a damn shame yeah and look these are very serious allegations so if Javante davis uh is found guilty and he did all that he's accused of this is uh unsettling stuff so we're going to see how that plays out we're going to follow up monitor that situation over at the athletic in the coming weeks and months We'll see everyone here later this week for more on the Pokemon Cop Boxing Show.